you. A little slow out of the gate there. Uh, we were having a fun conversation. Uh, off air. Welcome to the People's Show. Hanging out with you today, live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotic provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Bick Nazar here with you. Ben, Victor, Sonia behind the glass, one of the things. You as well, texting in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber. Text message inbox, Dunbar Lumber. Three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. It is a Tuesday, so you know what goes on here on Tuesdays. Yannick Hansen will join us in the second half of the show, and Mark Schofield will join us here in moments as we uh, react to what happened in Wild Card Weekend, uh, or Super Wild Card Weekend, that they try to call it. Uh, and also uh, preview the divisional round as well. Some juicy matchups in the divisional round. A couple of first overall picks going at it in Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff. Of course, we've got Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. we got the MVP versus the heir apparent in C.J. Stroud, who lit it up over the weekend. So we'll get into all that with Mark Schofield. But even just looking at the wildcard round in general – you know, I, I've heard me say this too. You know, the, the, your strength is what gets you to the playoffs, and your playoffs are defined by your weakness. Go look at what happened yesterday. Eagles trounced. No solutions defensively. The Buccaneers dropping 32 on them. Should have been more, to be honest, with all the drops by uh, Tampa receivers. Can't imagine they'll carry that over to the next round, clean that up. That's like Mike Evans making drops. Good players. But it was an easy one for the Buccaneers because the Eagles couldn't overcome their biggest weakness. What do you do on offense for the Steelers? And to be honest, like, they did well enough, but, you know, Mason Rudolph has a pick. They have an offensive problem. They fumbled the ball away. Should have been two fumbles, but their weakness is what showed up. Rams defensively couldn't get a stop in the red zone. Lions did just enough. Rams are in a transition year, but they didn't have enough answers. Cowboys, coaching. Like you saw on minute one in that game, CeeDee Lamb perturbed. Mike McCarthy trying to solve the situation. Didn't really have an answer for it and winds up being 48 points for the Packers, and that's an issue. Browns, they're their own issues. You know, the the offense had so many injuries there. You know, the, the Joe Flacco vibes just ran out. And for the Dolphins... The answer was always going to be, what does Tua do in the postseason? Seven points. Their biggest weakness. Yeah, you can talk about, hey, your your fantastic numbers, good quarterback. But if the environment's not perfect, are you prepared to thrive? And for Tua, the same issues came up. Post-snap, are you, are you processing fast enough? Are you prepared to win in bad temperatures? I get it. But it was the bad temperatures for the Chiefs, too. Patrick Mahomes didn't have an issue. I know it's Patrick Mahomes, but that offense functioned in ice-cold temperatures. The Dolphins did not. Like They had issues getting screen passes for, for productive gains. This is, again, for Tua. It's a bad spot to be in. 
weaknesses defining the wild card weekend going into the divisional round. Uh, let's get into it with our good friend Mark Schofield from SB Nation, QB analyst, uh, writes about F1 and the NFL. We talk to him every Tuesday. Mark, how are you? I am doing well, Dick. Fantastic to be back with you. Fun little wild card weekend. I'm very excited. I'm very glad that that Rams Lions game kind of lived up to the hype and the expectations because. Look, we've been friends for a long time. We can be honest. I'm not sure the other games kind of lived up to Ooh. the villain, but at least that one delivered. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's start where we always do. Uh, wild card weekend or super wild card weekend. Uh, what was the throw of the weekend for you? Well, again, since we're friends, I, I got to tell you, I am not calling it. I refuse to call it super wild card weekend. I just, I just can't get behind that <laughs> for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just. You know, I've set my ways. I like calling it Wild Card Weekend. To be fair, I shouldn't have done it, so I appreciate the accountability. No, 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 no worries. <laughs> it's, look, everybody else is doing it. I get it, but I just, I just can't go there. I, I just like calling it, uh, you know, Wild Card Weekend. That's what it's always been for me. But my throw of the week, it comes from Jordan Love, who look who has been absolutely tremendous. I mean, you know, looking at numbers over his last nine games, something like twenty-one touchdowns just the one interception. He's been phenomenal since basically mid-November when, you know, they were struggling and it looked like their, you know, their playoff hopes were on life support. And then they sort of storm in, get in, and now they're on to the divisional round. He's been playing so well. And, and the, the throw that really stands out to me is the touchdown pass to Dontavian Wicks. You know, this is a touchdown pass. It comes sort of late in the second quarter. They're up 14 nothing. This is to go up uh, 21 nothing. And over the past couple of weeks, a lot of people have talked about it. Collinsworth has talked about it. You know, Romo talked about it in Week 18. How he looks a lot like Brett Favre. How he looks a lot like Aaron Rodgers with the mechanics, the upper body mechanics, the lower body mechanics, back foot throws. You know, throws sometimes where his feet aren't set at all. Sometimes throws where neither foot's on the ground. And there is certainly an element to that on this play. But there's something else that I wanted to talk about with you that is also very reminiscent of Rodgers. And, you know, we didn't get to see much of Rodgers this year, just the four plays. But if you think back to, you know, the end of his time in Green Bay and throughout his Green Bay career, one of the things that he was so good at was using his cadence. And, yes, a lot of times it was to get a defender to jump offside so we get a free play and then take a shot downfield. But he also used it to get information. He would use that hard count. Defenders would either show blitz or show – you know, they were in blitz posture. They'd hit that hard count and they'd start to drop it. He would get that signal that, no, 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 you know, they're not blitzing or they are blitzing. And before the snap on this play, Jordan Love does exactly that. He uses the hard count. The defenders who are all basically off ball, basically showing them, yeah, we're going to be playing coverage. The second level defenders, linebackers and the like, they all crash downhill right at that moment. And he knows that, okay, they're going to bring pressure. He then changes the play. And indeed, they went zero blitz on this snap. And what he has to do, he makes one of those sort of back foot throws. Feet aren't settled. So he looked like Rodgers and Favre at the end of it. But what I really love about it was he acted like Rodgers before he even made the throw. So he used that cadence, that hard count to get that information, do exactly what he wanted to do. And then on top of it, made an absolutely perfect throw to go up 21 nothing. 
Uh, I'm putting you on the spot here, uh, but there's another throw that I saw in that game by Jordan Love. That I thought, all right, this is the one we're going to be talking about because I imagine all the QB nerds are going to be loving this one. I, I think it was to Musgrave, and he's rolling to his left off a of play action, and it almost looked like Rodgers when he made that pass up the sideline years ago in Dallas where it, it just it, it looked so they make it look so easy, but that roll into the left, like quick flip of the hips and quick release is like 10 out of 10 stuff. Yeah, it absolutely is. And this, first of all, this was a great call by Coach LaFleur, you know, because you get, you know, first and 10 situation, you know, late third quarter, you're in plus territory. And this is sort of a staple of these LaFleur, Shanahan, McVay offenses. Why leak? Why throwback? You know, they, people call it different things, but it's basically – you're flowing everything to one side and then you're sneaking the tight end down the line of scrimmage and then up the opposite hash or numbers. But like you said on this one, because sometimes with a right-handed quarterback, you'll see them flip it, right? So you carry out the fake, the quarterback's rolling to his right and then throwing back left. We've got a tight end who starts on the right, comes down the line of scrimmage like he's blocking and then breaks up the left side of the field down the numbers or the hash. But this time, Love is rolling to his left. Like you said, he's going to flip everything around and hit Musgrave on this throw, working back away from the way that he's rolling, and he has to do it with a free runner in his face. And so this was, look, if I didn't go with the Wicks touchdown, this was it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're absolutely right to point this throw out because the difficulty is very high. I like the other one because of the pre-snap stuff, and it shows that Love is more than just a great arm. He's figuring out the mental side of it. But from a pure execution standpoint of making a throw, this is an incredibly impressive play. So before we get to a super divisional round, um, <laughs> let's actually just talk about some of the teams that got bounced out at the wild card weekend. Um, you know, Which teams that lost are facing the biggest questions at QB? Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean... I do wonder, I think starting the team that probably is facing the biggest question, that would be Pittsburgh, you know, because what do they do? They clearly sort of rode the hot hand down the stretch mm -hmm. with Mason Rudolph, but are they going to go back to Kenny Pickett? Are we going to see like a camp competition situation between Rudolph and Kenny Pickett? Or are they just going to say, look, we've decided that it's going to be Mason Rudolph going forward? So I, I think that's probably the team that's facing the biggest question because, you know, the Eagles, they've got issues to sort out, but I don't think Jalen Hurts is at the top there. Mm -hmm. um, he's certainly got some questions that I think he needs to answer, but, you know, I think there's bigger things going on in Pittsburgh. Certainly the Rams and Matthew Stafford, they look to be okay. Yeah. As, as embarrassing as that game Sunday was, I don't think that's the big question. In Dallas, I think there are similar to Philadelphia other questions. Now, you might say, look at Miami. And this could be, say, a close second to Pittsburgh. What are they going to do with Tua? Because I think that game and some of the other games this year that Miami had sort of illustrated perhaps the limitations with Tua. When everything's going well and everything's great around them and you're playing in nice weather conditions and things like that, very good quarterback, very efficient quarterback, very explosive offense in his hands. But some of the throws we saw, you know, that game on Saturday night, routes outside the numbers, he had to put everything into it to get the ball there. Now, there are reports out of Miami that they're already thinking about a long-term extension, which I understand, but they're in that decision-making window now where it's are they going to give him the big deal? And if they do, 
what does that mean for some of the weapons around him, some of the players that they've put around him in this window? And so, you know, I do think that the Miami Dolphins have a question. I think the financials in Cleveland are that, you know, as good as the Flacco story was, even though it's sort of mm-hmm. ended on a sour note, I don't think Cleveland's in a situation where they can move on from Deshaun Watson easily. And so I, I think they're just going to have to find a way to make that work next year. And, you know, as we were talking about before his season ended, like there were things that they were started to click together for him. So there's probably still a window to doing that. But because of the way that deal is, it's hard to see Cleveland sort of moving on. The two hundred one is the one that stands out to me because now this is multiple years, right? They get to the spot and it it just looks difficult in the playoffs for Tua. And like I hate doing it up to two game samples, and you can say, "Oh, it was cold weather," but like you you play games in cold weather in January. That's kind of what happens. You're not always going to be the number one seed in perfect conditions and going through Miami. And they've kind of committed to him because they picked up his fifth year option, so the options almost feel a bit limited. I, I just feel like it, it's kind of a rock and a hard place for for where Miami is right now. That's kind of you know where I am on it too. That rock and a hard place description I think is very very accurate because. You know, you're not in a position where you're going to get one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. And so, I mean, maybe do you draft, say, a Bo Nix late first round, mm-hmm. or a Michael Penix Jr. in the second round if he falls there? I mean, you could explore that. But I think your better option is probably just forging ahead and hoping that, oh, if you're in a situation where you've got a 14-point lead against the Tennessee Titans with three minutes to go, you close that game out so maybe you get to play on wild card weekend at home or you get to play at home in the divisional round. And maybe you might not have to go on the road to say a Buffalo or a Baltimore or a Kansas City until the AFC championship game. I mean, if that game was in Miami, I think it does look a little different. But the point about the fact that, look, you're never going to be in a perfect situation all the time, it's a very, very appropriate one because that's quarterback play both on the micro and the macro. Sometimes you have Mm -hmm. to make plays under pressure. Sometimes you have to make plays in the cold. But I think generally speaking, Miami's in a situation where forging ahead is probably, I, wouldn't, I don't know if it's the best option, but it's the most available option. I almost wonder if they were kind of in the same spot uh, L.A. was, the Rams, when they had Goff. And they just say, hey, we have to like rip this Band-Aid off. And it, it, it might suck, but if there's someone that's credible available on the market, that is an obvious upgrade. You almost just have to pay the tax to do it. Yeah, I mean, you wonder, you know, is there somebody out there that would become available? I mean, Ben Solak, we love Ben. He put this crude sort of Photoshop together where he took a picture of Kirk Cousins and right. had a, colored with MS Paint, a Dolphins jersey on there. I mean, would Cousins be an upgrade? I, I, I think so. Would the numbers and financials work? I don't know about that. Um, but the, if they decide to go that route, if they decide to say – look at what the Rams did and say, you know what? And the Rams had actually already paid golf, but they could say, look, we don't want to even go that far. We'll just rip the Band-Aid off here and go and trade for a couple of years of Kirk Cousins, and maybe that will be enough to get us over the hump. I mean, that that's a plausible option. I don't know if they go down that road or not, but it could happen. All right, let's get to a divisional round then. Uh Texans and Ravens, uh, is this, you know, the, the, the Texans get their win and now the big boys come in and, and pick them apart? Or is there something C.J. Stroud can do against this Ravens defense which gives them a puncher's chance? I mean, 
going into that Cleveland-Houston game, it was, well, is C.J. Stroud going to be able to figure out Jim Schwartz and company? Well, he certainly did that. Now it's this is like sort of playing the video game. You got the first boss. Now you get the even tougher boss and Mike McDonald and what the Ravens have done defensively. And there are going to be moments where, you know, Stroud is going to have to figure some things out. Now he does have a unique advantage in that he's gone against him before in a sense. You know, Mike McDonald came from Michigan and, you know, he's seen similar defenses and similar schemes, you know, before even dated back to his days at Ohio state. And, you know, if he could figure out some of those, you know, thin pressure looks and some of those, you know, different pressure packages that McDonald has used this year with the Ravens. I I think that could really put them in a position to be successful. They've got, I think, more than a puncher's chance, but it's going to be a tough task. I mean, one thing to play at home against Joe Flacco and that defense, it's another to have to go on the road into Baltimore and, you know, being down here in this area, like you got some snow earlier this week, you might get some snow later in this week. You know, the weather could be a factor there. And you're not getting Joe Flacker, you're getting potential second-time MVP award winner Lamar Jackson. So it's a big ask for Houston. I think they've got the ability to pull off an upset, but it's not one that I'm expecting. Packers and 49ers. We've seen just the 49ers ground game just obliterate the Packers. So I don't even want to spend much time on Brock Purdy and and what he can do in this environment because the expectation is that offense rolls. Jordan Love, though, in this game, uh, how difficult is this matchup and and what are the areas where he can succeed in? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a tough task because, again, this Niners defense, as good as Dallas' defense is, the Niners defense is also very good and they're going to be rested, and they're going to have an ability to get, I think, more consistent pressure on him than Dallas, I think they have to, you know, there's going to be pressure on getting him some short fields, getting a turnover Mm too. But I think particularly with this offense, you know, you have to find a way to create some explosives, particularly off of play action, because that's something that really stood out to me from that Packers win against Dallas was their ability to run the football. And if they can start to duplicate that and set up some of those shot plays off of play action, set up that play we talked about, the the Y throwback, Y leak off of play action, that's going to give them a chance to win this game. And so I think for Green Bay to pull this off, if they can duplicate some of their success on the run and sort of feed into the creative stuff they can do in the play action realm, you know, not that they have to run the football for 260 yards, but at least continue to show that they can have some success with it to create those explosives off play action. I think that gives them a chance to win. Moving on to uh, a couple of first overall picks, Jared Goff versus uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, with the way the Buccaneers play defensively, it's so quirky with Todd Bowles. You never really know what you're going to I guess you know what you're going to get. It just blitzes, and it could be funky looking and, and difficult to play against. It is Jared Goff set up to play against that? This is going to be a tough ask. I mean, because Goff has, you know, I think he was 10th this year in adjusted completion percentage when pressured, according to Pro Football Focus, but he also threw nine picks, the second most in the league when pressured behind only Sam Howell. And, you know, Aaron Donald is certainly very good at what he does, but Lions had a very good game plan, which was we're going to block him with three people at times. You know, and just make sure 99 cannot get anywhere near Jared Goff. It's going to be different when it's a blitz-heavy scheme when you've got P. 
people that are coming from all directions, they're going to be able, Tampa Bay is, to get pressure on golf. And does he have the good completion percentage, like the adjusted completion percentage I pointed out, which was 10th in the NFL, or does he throw a couple of picks? And the thing about Tampa Bay is, you know, we saw the points that they put up. They could have put up more. They had drops, and Baker was throwing some really good balls that weren't completed because they were dropped. And they could have hung some more points on Philadelphia. You get Baker a bunch of short fields, or even just one or two short fields because you generate a pick from Jared Goff due to the pressure packages you're bringing. That could be the big difference here. I mean, I, I was, I was, I'm still wondering if what we saw last night is going to tell us more about Tampa Bay ultimately or more about Philadelphia, and I'm still leaning towards that game's going to really be more about Philadelphia and how they fell apart. But I'm warming up to the idea of Baker Mayfield and Tampa Bay going into Detroit and really making this a very good game, if not winning it outright. Yeah, because you know the, the the Lions win that game against the Rams, but it, you know red zone defense can be difficult to predict week to week. Very and, noisy. Yep. Right, and it, I look at this and I think it's not as if the Rams didn't move the ball. It's just they didn't finish the drives. And in this scenario, are the Buccaneers going to finish drives versus the Lions? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they have the ability to finish drives. Now, you know, the question becomes, okay, if, if some of those mistakes and missed opportunities that we saw last night linger into this week in the divisional round, then you know, maybe they don't finish drives with seven. They're forced to settle for field goals, which certainly came back to bite the Rams in that game. And I, I do think that, you know, there's an argument to be made that maybe the Rams should have been a bit more aggressive, gone for it a couple of times instead of settling for three. And maybe they decide, look, we're going to be aggressive. We'll go forward more times than often. Um, so maybe that's a lesson that Todd Bowles and Dave Canales and the company can learn going into that game, which is go for it, be a bit more aggressive. But I do think there are plays to be made against this Detroit defense. Certainly the Rams made some. They just didn't make enough. You've still got Michael Evans. You've got Godwin. You've got, he's got a great relationship with Otten, the tight end. They can go into Detroit and win this game. All right, let's get to the big one. Bills and Chiefs. Uh, we've seen this a couple of times. Uh, they've had their successes, uh, the Chiefs have. And, you know, the Bills have pushed them down to 13 seconds, but not the full 60. Uh, what can Josh Allen learn from previous uh, games that maybe he wasn't applying through the season, but now in this moment uh, can? I mean, I think that there is a sort of twist here. That this is the first time it's going to be involved in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something we haven't seen before in that Patrick Mahomes in a road playoff game. You know, we've either seen him at Arrowhead or at a neutral side in a Super Bowl. And so I think there'll be a feeling out process there for Kansas City. But from Allen's perspective, you know, he's found success against this defense. And, you know, the Kadarius Tony offside penalty aside, like going into Arrowhead earlier this season and seeing a win, that was when sort of like you talked about earlier this year where Josh Allen went into God mode mm-hmm. and was just making throws while falling out of bounds and, you know, running all over the place and creating offense through himself. And we saw a bit of that yesterday afternoon, the long touchdown run and some of the other plays that he made. I mean, I think they've gotten to this point by, you know, they've had games where they've run the ball well and they've leaned into the run game a little bit against Pittsburgh, but they've gotten this by Josh Allen kind of playing on vibes at times. And I think that can still work. Now, this is a very good Kansas City defense. They obviously had their success against Miami. But I do, from uh, sort of picking a winner perspective, I like Buffalo in this one. I, I really do. I, I think they're playing extremely well on both sides of the ball. 
I think Allen has figured out some of the things he can get away with. Now, Kansas City's defense is very good. They did some really mean things from a coverage standpoint to two and spin in their safeties and things like that. But Allen has seen a lot of it before, and I don't think there's anything they're going to be able to throw at him that he hasn't seen yet. And he's also got an absolute cannon of an arm that can make up for any sort of hesitation with respect to making a read or a throw or a decision. Mark, uh, you're the best, man. We'll uh, see what happens this weekend and reconvene next week. Looking forward to it already. It's going to be a great weekend of games, my friend. Enjoy them all. It's a good friend, Mark Schofield, who joins us uh, every Tuesday during the football season covering F- NFL, F1, uh, and more over at SB Nation. Good glimpse into uh, what's going on this weekend into Divisional Weekend. Some great matchups uh, this weekend. So we'll get into it more throughout the course of the week. Uh, but on the other side, as he joins us every Tuesday here on the People Show, it's Yannick Hansen. We'll get into all things uh, Vancouver Canucks after a 5-1-1 road trip. Yeah. 11 points uh, for the Vancouver Canucks on the, the road trip that we would have earmarked as the most difficult one of the year. And they come through it uh, well done with 11 points. They're back home. Thursday is going to be a blast. Uh, see how the rink reacts to such a fantastic run on the road. And then, uh, you know, Saturday is going to be a blast against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we'll get into it all with Yannick and uh, what to do between now and the trade deadline. He is on the way here on The People Show.